Good, good morning. Um, it is a joy and a privilege to be here with you this morning. And uh, if you haven't figured it out yet, I am not Pastor Lee. And, um, but we're here to hear from God and His Word. And uh, as such, uh, let's open up in prayer before we do anything else. Father in heaven, we praise you, we thank you for how good you are to us, how patient you are with us. We stand in awe of your grace and your mercy that you extend to us so freely, so liberally. Especially when we have been so unfaithful in our living. God, settle our hearts and our minds uh, right now. Uh, prepare us. Cleanse us. Make us, make the soul of our hearts tender towards you and your word. Father, for your honor and your great glory, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, how many of you are ready for the return of the Lord? Don't, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Uh, how many of you uh, get excited about that day, that time when we either die or that big event that we refer to as the rapture uh, how many of you look forward to 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 that event if you're like me i i sometimes approach it with mixed emotions there's still a lot to be done is there not uh houses to build uh, uh, life to live uh, if you're single a husband to find or a wife to find um, this is just stuff earlier this week uh, Dr. Howard Hendricks uh, made his departure um, from time present into eternity. And he just so happens to be one of my favorite authors. I can't imagine what he's writing about right now. I would love to read, uh, purchase that copy. How do we live in light of what seems to be end times? Pastor Lee, over the last few weeks, has been talking and instructing us as far as our evangelistic mindset, our attitude once we go outside these doors. How do we live? How does one live in light of or in anticipation of eternity? Forgive me, but I just get a tad bit excited. Um, Knowing that there's going to come a place, there's going to come a point in time when Scripture says, um, it's going to happen. Can you imagine CNN trying to explain the rapture? That's going to be fun. MSNBC, oh, we don't know what happened. It's going to be an incredible time. And it's something we should all look forward to. But put that on pause and let's see if we can find some sort of encouragement for how we're to live now. In our Sunday school class in Home Builders, we have been looking at what spiritual warfare is. We haven't been going in great depth, no. But we've been looking at uh, Satan's attack We've been looking at his mode of operation. 
And um, one of the persons we looked at was the life of Job. And uh, I found such comfort in looking at the life of Job. Now you say, wait a minute, that boy's got problems. You don't go to Job to find comfort. But just hear me out. Hear the words of God about his servant Job. God says to Satan in a conversation, he says, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. And I'm sitting there reading it and I was like, wow, Job is hardcore. This fella's off the chain. I mean, he's, he's our model guy for living in the midst of a difficult circumstance. As a matter of fact, in chapter 2, God has a second conversation with Satan and God repeats the exact same thing. He says, have you considered my servant Job who's blameless, who's upright, who fears God, who turns away from evil? Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, I see perfect. Thank you. I see a man who's Who's, who's perfect and there's just absolutely no way I can measure up to those descriptions that God gave of Job. And then the Holy Spirit starts messing around in your Kool-Aid after you think something like that, right? Let me ask you a question. In light of how we're to live now, in anticipation for eternity, would God brag about you and I in the same way? Would he say, where's my wife, is she here? Would he say of Mona Lisa, Mona Lisa is blameless and upright and fearing God and turning away from evil. I'm only picking on her because I got to go home and live with her. Could he say that about me? Would he say that about me? And how should we live in light of eternity? I used to use Job as my excuse to say, well, you know what? Job was this perfect guy. He's our model. I'm going to continue trying to be like him. On behalf of everybody here, I'll just raise my hat. I was reading in Psalm 15, and listen to what it says. It says, the psalmist, David, says, O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may tabernacle with you? Who may who may uh, sojourn or walk with you. Who may dwell on your holy hill? He asks a question. And then he answers it. He says, He who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. And then I started to feel a little guilty because I was like, Wait a minute, I ducked on Job, but here's this other passage telling me that I can. Live in such a way that it's pleasing before God. Can, can I share a little secret with you? The camera guys are going to get mad with me, but I'm going to come down. I'm going to come down. Sorry, guys. I'm saying sorry in advance. You meet people and you say, hey, how you doing? Eh, trying to live. Hey, bro, how you doing? Eh, struggling, but you know. We use these pet uh, cliches, answers. And here's God bragging about Job. He says, listen, have you considered my, my boy Job? He's blameless. He's upright. He fears me and he turns away from evil. And then I turn the camera on me. 
And I ask the question, am I blameless? Am I upright? Do I fear God? Do I turn away from evil? And I'd like to answer yes, but then there are five people I live with and they'll probably tell you no. And then the thought occurred to me, wait a minute. Does being blameless and upright and fearing God, turning away from evil mean that I don't sin anymore? Does it mean that Job was perfect? Does it mean that Job never sinned? Satan's challenge to God with Job was, let me at him and see if Job doesn't curse you to your face. Satan's one desire was to destroy Job's relationship with God. The same is true today. So I ask the question again, how do you and I live in spite of the environment, in spite of the circumstances we find ourselves living in? Sometimes, I will admit, it seems impossible. Doesn't it? You sit in traffic on the Eastern Road for any longer than five minutes and you can get in the flesh easy, can't you? You go to any banking institution and not wanting to offend any of you bankers, but you stand in the line just waiting to get the $20 off your account, which seems like an eternity, and you get to the counter and you get tooed. You can get in the flesh easily. This morning we were talking in, in, in Sunday school about how we're to set a guard over our heart. Sometimes I forget to set a guard over my heart. And I come home and I say some of the most interesting things, I'm being politically correct here, to my wife. And she looks at me as if to say, is that really my husband? How do we live today in anticipation of what is to come? Does it mean that Patrick B. Rutherford Jr., don't ask me what the B is, does it mean that I have to be perfect? That I have to answer everything just right? That I have to dress just right? That I have to have all my T's dotted and my I's crossed? Just, you get the picture. Does it mean... And so the question still remains, how, how do we live? How do we live? Some of you got tough decisions to make. And there's the obvious in front of you. And then there's what seems to be the impossible. The obvious seems the easy answer. But yet you find yourself in your heart being told by the Spirit of God living in you say, do this. But I, I can't understand this. I don't see this. I don't understand it. I don't appreciate it. I, how do we live? David says... The one who is able to abide, to tabernacle, to sojourn, to be with God in his tent on his holy hill is the one who walks with integrity, who works righteousness, who speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, or takes up a reproach against his friend. But, okay, so that's Old Testament. That was for, that was for the guys who understood the voice of God and um, you know Job was hardcore and he had this walk with the Lord and um, even though it appears as if he was set up and he still came through with flying colors and we read the end of Job and Job is Job comes out there looking like super Christian and so what where does that leave you and I who don't uh, 
we, we don't make it to Job's status. Is there hope for you and I? I'd like to say this morning, yes, there is. There is a ton of hope. Turn with me, finally, to 2 Peter. Um, and just as a disclaimer, um, our youngest son, Joshua, has discovered that he can call my name and, an, and I'll answer. <laughs> so I'm just putting you on notice. <laughs> He'll say, Daddy. <laughs> and I'll say, Yes. I'm just putting you on notice so you can hear that through the sermon. How do we live even when they're calling you daddy and they don't say anything? How do we live? Does it mean I have to be Job-like? No, I contend, ladies and gentlemen, we just got to be Christian. Listen to what Peter says to his uh, uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord in 2 Peter. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. And he tells us in the very next uh, few lines, words, who he's writing to. He says, to those who have received, received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Seeing... That his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Let me put you in context. Under Emperor Nero, the church in 1 Peter was facing a lot of persecution. 1 Peter is Peter's letter to the church, encouraging them to be able to stand firm in the middle of their suffering. That was an attack from without. Second Peter talks about a more wicked enemy. He talks about an attack coming from within. He's about to die. He's been reliably informed that he's about to die. And he has taken pen and put it to paper in an effort to remind the believers. Listen to what he says. He says, therefore, in verse 12, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them. And have been established in the truth which is present with you. I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling. To stir you up by way of reminder. Knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent. As also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure. You will be able to call these things to mind. Peter's desire was, hey, listen, guys, I'm about to take off. I'm about to cast this line that ties me, that anchors me here to this dock. I'm about to take off. I'm about to depart. I'm about to leave this location and go to another, an eternal one. And in anticipation of that, he says, now let me encourage you. Let me leave some final words of instruction on how you're to live until your turn comes. How do we live with discernment in these days? Listen to what else he says. He says, this now, beloved, is the second letter I am writing to you in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior spoken by our apostles. Know this first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come. 
with their mocking, following after their own lusts. How do we live? Do I have to be perfect? We strive for perfection, don't we? As a matter of fact, just this week, I was reliably informed. It's not about being, it's not about perfection. It's about direction. It's about how we live with every intent towards the return of the Lord or His calling us home. Listen to what Peter says again in chapter 1 of Second Peter. And let's read it just a little bit slower. Chapter 1, verse 2, he says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Where? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace be multiplied to us as we get to experience him more and more. This isn't a factual or an intellectual type of knowledge. This is a type of knowledge Peter is saying you got to experience. It's, it's person to person. It's, 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 it's hands on. There's an there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a excerpt we play from time to time. Um, I'm not sure if it's E.B. Hill, but the guy asks the question over and over again. Do you know him? Do you know my Jesus? And yes, there's one thing to say, yeah, I know him. I have some facts about him. But do we really know him? Have we been able to experience him in his, in his fullness? My, my grandmother... Uh, uh, I would sit next to her growing up as a, and she would sit there in the pew and she would sing some of the old hymns, the old rugged cross and, and, and some of those. And she would weep. Tears would come down her face and I would re remember tugging on mama. Mama, why are you crying? And in and, and, and her sweet words with a pretty alto voice, she will say, boy, one of these days, you will know. What she was saying is, son, one of these days, you're going to experience exactly what I'm feeling. Do you know him? Have you been to the place where, where God has brought you to the place where all you got is him, and he's taking you where? The problem with that question is, for a lot of us, Things are pretty good in spite of the fact that we're in a recession. We didn't have to trust in God the way our folks did. We got bank accounts. We got insurances. We got good paying jobs. We have a house that's paid for. We have, we have stuff. And so to depend on God seems old school. But do you know him? When Jesus says, I will never leave you nor, nor forsake you, what does that mean to you? I'd love to tell you what it means to me, but time won't permit. But do you know, do you know him? Listen to what the text says again. Peter says, seeing that God's divine power Saying that God's divine power, or sorry, Jesus' divine power has granted to you and I everything we need to live. And I read that verse, and the first person I thought about was Job. Uh oh, I got some of the deer in the headlight look. 
God says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? God knew he had placed everything in Job's life. He had everything Job needed to live to be godly. God knew it was there. And God had the audacity to say, have you checked him out? Have you tried him? Have you tested him? And Satan with a little bravado says, Oh God, you know, he's only, like, he's only that way because you've been blessing him. Take your hat off of him. Let me at him, Satan says, and see what he does. We had a little fun with this in our Sunday school class. None of us in the flesh would want God bragging about us in that way. Because we know what's coming next. Down in Grenada, they use a term called small up. You know, time to get small. You know when the teacher's looking for you to, to, to find someone to go and you kind of get small. You, you don't want to get picked. That's kind of how we are when God says, where's Where's Patrick? Have you considered my son? No, no. Listen to Peter. I'll read it slow just one more time. Peter says, seeing, understanding, appreciating that Jesus' divine power has granted. And, and, and the, the way... God has granted it to us. There's a sense of regalness. There's a sense of, of royalty. You know, it, I, don't, I don't know. Anybody in here been knighted? How do they really knight people? With the sword? I don't know. That's how they do it on TV. But it's, it's, it's God basically saying, you have been granted everything you need to live in such a way that I get the glory. Before you get excited... Tomorrow morning coming. Before you get excited in here, we got to go outside that door and, and live. And how, do, how, does this play, how does this play out? Before the day is out, Mona Lisa and I are going to have a disagreement. And how do I live in such a way that God still gets the glory? Mona Lisa, they're looking at me as if to say, y'all is round? Okay, let me get off the husband-wife pedal then. Some of you are going to work tomorrow. Okay, I'll move on. You get the picture. Seeing that he has granted to us everything you and I need to live to live godly in Christ. Hot dog. So now I'm faced with a situation. And my propensity is to tell a lie. Patrick, you got the report done? Uh, well, um, see, stop. How do I live in such a way that God gets the glory? Oh, I got to tell you this. Um, I can't remember what night it was. One night last week, might have been this week, it all kind of clouds in. I'm leaving downtown and I pull out of the, 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 the Hilton and it's about nine o'clock. Y'all can edit this one on the tape later on. I don't want the police come looking for me. <laughs> and there's a sense, there's this overwhelming feeling of, Patrick, put your seatbelt on. I ignore it. I'm tired. I just want to get home. It's after nine. Ain't nobody on the streets, right? I pull out into the, in, out into the main road, and then again, there's this overwhelming sense, almost like as if, no, no, listen, I, I am not going crazy. But I know when God's speaking, put your seatbelt on. I'm driving past McDonald's. 
And I'm just singing a happy tune because I'm going home. I'm hungry. I know what Melissa's cooked. So listen, life is great. I pass Dunkin' Donuts, and again, there's this heavy burden. Put your seatbelt on. I bank around the corner, and let me tell you something. I've never seen so much Belize in all my life. <laughs> I mean, even the fellas in khaki was wearing bulletproof vests. And they had a traffic block. And soon as I saw the police, I grabbed from my seatbelt. And I'm, you know, where's that seatbelt when you really need it, right? I'm fishing in the neck. That's why I got a stiff neck right now. I'm fishing for the thing and I pull it over. I'm wearing a jacket and I'm trying to put the clip in and the jacket keep getting in the way, right? And I'm like, Lord, I'm going to get booked. I didn't listen. At this point, it's too late. The police is to my window, and I said, officer. <laughs> and he says, chief, I suggest you put your seatbelt on. <laughs> Soon as I saw the police, I was like, Lord, if I get catch, what do I say to him? I can just tell him, well, I just got in the car. I'm, I was already in that mindset of making an excuse. How do we live in such a way that God gets the glory even? Peter says, let me remind you of something. God, through his divine power, has given you and I everything we need to live godly. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we get in the flesh. Sometimes we take matters into our own hands. Well, well, let me back up. Sometimes I forget. Sometimes I take matters into my own hands and I further mess things up. Sorry, I didn't mean to pick on you. How do we live? I want, oh man, I don't believe I'm saying this. I want God, when he, when he looks down at me, he's able to say, there goes Patrick, who's blameless, who's upright, who turns away from evil, who fares me. I know what that statement may bring. None of us in here sign up for the burn and peel job. I know. But if God, if God chooses to bless my life with that type of adversity, He knows already that because of my right living, because of my desire to want to follow Him, that He's going to get the glory. That's easy for me to say, standing up here. I love the first of the month. I like the first week of the month. That's when I have a few dollars and I can take care of all of my bills. But there's a lot of month left. Can I get amen? <laughs> then what do you do? <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> Peter says, listen. The divine power that, that, that Jesus has, he's granted it to you and I. <laughs> and he says, now you can go out and be Christ-like. You don't have to try. You do. You don't have to think about it. It's, it's who you are. Peter was about to leave and he says, listen, let me remind you, false teachers are going to come among you. And they're going to teach you that you can live any kind of way. God's, as a matter of fact, God ain't coming anymore. He's, he's already been and gone. Do you sense the return of the Lord as you look around? You read the world events. Listen, Messiah is on his way. And what type of church will he find? Will he find us all asleep? Kind of hakuna matata? Or will he find us living in light of, in anticipation of his return? 
I don't like letting people in, in, in traffic. But boy, listen, the last couple of days, <laughs> come on. <laughs> and I find the more I practice it, the more I do it, guess what happens? Uh-oh. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about, do you? <laughs> try it. Try it. Um, somebody the other day was holding up the line in the food store. The audacity. Just yesterday, in, in, I can't even remember where I was. Oh, it was in, in Burger King. Guy run a dollar short. How do you run a dollar short in Burger King? You know you're going to Burger King to spend some money. You better bring some children, leave them there to count or something. But he ran short. And I'm like, me, no, I'm not giving him a dollar. <laughs> no. <laughs> Next thing you know, I find myself one last dollar. I put it in the position, and it was a U.S. dollar too. Push it on the side of the counter. I said, my chief, don't worry about it. He kind of looked at me like, huh? Where is he from? <laughs> God has given you and I everything we need to live. Listen to this as we close. Not only has he given us his divine power, He's given us divine promises. Listen to what Peter says. He says, seeing that his divine power has granted to you and I everything, not most things, not some things, everything pertaining to life and godliness. Listen how, listen how, we, how, how we obtain it. Through the true knowledge of him. Through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and his own excellence. This isn't, this isn't, this isn't um, my sending God a request, a request saying, uh, God, here's my white paper. Here's my dissertation on what I think a Christian life should look like. God says, no, a true knowledge of me, a true experiential knowledge of me um, will reflect my glory and my excellence. That's why we do the undoable. That's why we love the unlovable. That's why, we, that's why we are who we are. Husbands, that's why you, you love your wives in an understanding way. Or live with her in an understanding way. That's why you love her as Christ loved the church. Wives, that's why you, that's why you respect your husband. It's, it's, it's got nothing to do with you. It's, it's, it's Christ wanting to... To, 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 to show his divine power in you and through you. As beautiful as Mona Lisa is, I can't love her. But God can through me. And that's the best way to do it. Let me say that again, gentlemen, husbands. You can't love her. God can through you. Let him agape her through you. And that's when it's real. That's when it's genuine. And that's what Pastor Lee means when he says you can love her into submission. But we got to do it in light of God's standard. Not what I think God should do in me and through me. But listen to what he says. For by these, the these, the, the these there are God's glory and God's excellence. He says for by these, for by God's glory and his excellence, he has granted to you and I his precious promise. His precious and magnificent promises. Listen to some of those promises just right there in, 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 in 2 Peter. Uh, verse 9, chapter 3, Paul Peter says, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you and I, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Listen to another promise in, in the same chapter, verse 13. Peter says, but according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Listen, Messiah is on his way. He is coming. It's a promise. God's going to keep it. How do we live now in light of what's guaranteed? Oh, may I challenge you. May I, I dare you. <laughs> 
I dare all of us in here to go out there and live as if we only got 24 hours. And then live the next day the same way. And then the next day the same way. I don't, we don't. We don't, we aren't guaranteed tomorrow. We're not even guaranteed this afternoon. All we have is someone's going to cut you off in the parking lot soon as that last amen. And you're going to have an opportunity to reflect God's glory and his excellence. Uh, am I making sense? Your car's going to break down. I don't mean to wish that on anybody. I wish all your cars start and I wish they all have good lives. But something's going to stop working. By the way, that's not prophetic. <laughs> that's just hardcore reality. Something's going to challenge your right living. Mine's got a pair of legs, about 20 months old. And tomorrow morning, he's going to wake up about 4.30 and he's going to want to play. I can get in the flash real quick. I don't know what it is. I don't know where you are. But just understand, ladies and gentlemen, God's made it possible for us to live and then live in such a way that he gets the glory. That's his desire. That's his heart for you and I. Job was a man who God said was blameless, upright, fearing God and turning away from evil. I want to be that man. I want that for my family. I want that for, 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 for you. But the question still remains is, how does that all take place? So God's granted it. He's given it. How do we get that? How, how, how do I embrace that? How do I put handles on this thing? It sounds good. How, 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 how? Do I go across the street to the pharmacy and get a bottle? Um, what do I have to do? Listen to what Peter says. Peter says in chapter 3, as he concludes, he says in chapter 3, verse 14, he says, Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless, and blameless. And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you. Verse 17, listen to what Peter says. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on guard. So that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. Hold on to your bench. Here it comes. He says, but grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, may I contend that you and I will not be able to reflect God's glory and his excellence while we continue. Uh, that's a little bit too harsh. Let me repeat. Let me tidy it up. As long as you and I find ourselves to the place where we come to church once a week and we never ever consider I'll walk with the Lord until next Sunday. You and I will not grow in grace. As long as this stays closed, 
sorry, as long as this stays closed, you and I will never, ever grow in grace and in the knowledge of God. But Brother Rutherford, you don't understand how busy life is. I know, trust me. Trust me, I know. But if this stays closed, game over. Did I say you have to be to church every time the doors are open? Did I say that? What did I say? Put it in Bahamian ease, somebody. Study. Thank you very much. Let's pray and go home. It starts here. Everything we need is right here. This, this is the manual, guys and gals. Sorry. Here it is. Everything we need is right here in this book. Relationships, finances. Let me read that one on finances again. It's all here. It's all here. How, 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 how to deal with a, with a it, it's here. It's here. Some of you get nervous when Pastor Lee talks about uh, you and I going out there and being the evangelist. The part of the reason why we get nervous about it is we don't, we don't know how to live out there. But it's here. Some of you think being an evangelist means, well, we got to go out there and get a megaphone and go on every corner and, 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 and preach, 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 preach. No. Just go out there and live. <laughs> Just live. Just live. Just live. His divine power has granted to you everything you need. And if we tap into it, if we tap into it right here, ladies and gentlemen, I contend, we will find success in living for him. Let's close in prayer. God, I'm humbled. That you'd give me an opportunity to share in such a way. But God, it's not about me. It's all about your word and how we respond to your word. God, I can't help but think about the number of opportunities that not only myself, but every person present here who, who names the name of Christ will get. How many opportunities we will get this week and this day uh, to be challenged in our faith and our walk and be challenged to give you honor and glory that's do your name by our right living. God, we recognize quickly that there will be some shortfalls. But dear God, allow us to be able to uh, enjoy the success of hearing your voice, relying on your word, and, and acting and walking in a manner that's pleasing to you. Father, whether we're a student whether we are in the workforce, whether we are at home, wherever our feet may take us, dear God, may we be cognizant of the fact that we are on constant display and that the world should see our every move, that the world should see your glory and your excellence being lived out through us. Father, have your will. Have your way. God, we ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.